Yeah. Tim Salau. Yeah, Tim Salau. Oh, yeah, you got it. You got it, 100%. We're talking big black. Let's just talk. We talking crypto? Because I actually want to talk about crypto. <laughs> like, really, we talking guy, crypto, big black tea, um, current economics. Because I'm trying to, you. so you, you're trying to get the tea from me. I'm trying to get the tea from you. <laughs> like, what are you? Oh wow! Oh no, we gotta put that back in. I'm I really want to dive deep with you about it. I have some thoughts, but I actually really interested in your thoughts, especially with all that you're doing. Oh my goodness, Dr. Evans is such Esquire Evans is such an honor to be on the show. I'm so excited to be talking with you. Thank you for having me on Tech Intersect. I I literally am so excited that we're doing this um, episode because I've been looking forward to it for weeks now. Even though I know we have to push things back uh, due, due to things that came up, but it, it's truly an honor to to be speaking with you.
You know what? It's such a. I'm really thankful that you asked me that because not even my parents ask me that sometimes. <laughs> Here and there, but you know, it's. I think given what's going on with the state of the world, I really appreciate that question. And I have to say, I I'm optimistic. I'm grateful. I think that for the last four years, and especially now, given what's going on this year in 2020, the world has been through a lot. I, I just have to be very frank about that. Um, not only Black America has definitely been through some stuff, but the, just the the world right now, humanity at a high level, we've been through a lot. And I think, you know, the, as things go into November and December, this is a time for all of us to reflect. And for even for me, I'm doing some hibernation, still working, but really reflecting on what the last four years have been, what this year has been like. And more importantly, how do I stay in this in this um, kind of moment of gratitude? You know, I, I, I don't don't want to get political by any means on this show, but <laughs> but you know, I think that you know, with the the recent announcement of Joe Biden being president, that's a great leader, uh, and I think it's a it's a great moment for us as a nation, as a nation, potentially collective humanity, to hope that America is moving forward and progressing just towards better times, right? With just with that person as a leader. Right. Not talking about their political affiliation, not talking about uh, anything in terms of where they stand on, on, on uh, agendas and, and whatnot. But fundamentally, as a leader, it keeps it allows me as a leader to be grateful that, you know, this nation and to a degree, our collective humanity is moving forward in a positive direction. I think that's that's important for me as a citizen. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be alive and I'm grateful to be on the show with you. I think I, I, you know, this has been. Everyone should have had their eyes on this election because it's pivotal 
for our country. Like, I, you know, I think it, it, there is sometimes where it gets too much. We have to cut off, but it makes sense why we're all attentive about this, you know, and, and it's really because it's been, we, we've seen the hiding tension for the last four years, but now it's almost as if like, do, do we expect um, someone or collective, at least collective body to hold um, uh, one leader accountable, right? Or, ho- or hopefully think about where things are going. And I think in the aggregate, things worked out as they should, right? Like you can't, like you can only focus on what you can control, but in the aggregate, things seemingly worked out and we learned, hopefully, just a bit from these last four years. And I think, you know, to even kind of take it back to things in tech intersect, it's like, you, it, I think as soon as as soon as soon literally you, you started hearing things about Joe Biden winning, I was looking at my stocks. <laughs> I was even looking at the crypto stocks. I was looking at my tech stocks, and you could see that tech stocks were climbing, climbing during the pre-market, right? So I, I think it's interesting, right? Um, of of just how and like literally the day before they were down, but it's interesting in aggregate what people are how people are feeling, right? Not only tech, but I think in other industries as well. I was seeing motion, and that is just telling to me. That behaviorally, we were waiting for a moment like this as a nation, and it's going to affect tech. It's going to affect all other industries, but definitely tech as well. And let me ask you something. Um, I, I, I want to ask you, Dr. Evans, you know, because we talk, you talk a lot about crypto. You are educating the world on crypto. I love this space because I, I understand I've contextualized. I've, I've, I've gotten learnings from you in terms of how you even approach it. I think there's a, something between how crypto in itself is a decentralized um, system and, and protocol, right, based built upon blockchain, but fundamentally how it's bringing more access to financial markets uh, in in terms of digital currency. But I want to kind of latch on to the decentralization of currency and really like the socialistic component. I want to get your thoughts on where you see kind of, you know, given what's happening um, politically, sociopolitically, and what's happening economically, tech, uh, technologically and economically, where do you see kind of like that overlay, that overplay of um, I, hopefully marginalized communities, whether it be low-income brown community, black and brown communities, getting more access and being able to see the wealth that's, that's being created um, in the crypto markets? Mm.
Hmm. Dang, dang you. You know, Doctor Evan, that's so powerful to me because um, I, I I get that, and I and I, and I answer that question because you know, for a lot of what I see, a lot of what you're doing, I'm like, wow, like. She is, I wonder how she got educated about it because literally your story is similar to mine in terms of how I got educated about it. And that was, one, it was by dabbling, um, but not, I, I'm, I'm definitely a, a, a late adopter, actually. I think there's people who have been in this crypto markets who saw the potential like years ago and they are reaping hella benefits. But I actually got out late because I didn't even, first, one, we didn't even really, uh, fundamentally as a nation, we didn't even know something like like crypto was possible for quite some time. But those are people, the people who have been kind of in that in that blockchain security protocol space, they saw it way earlier. And even some of them were late adopters. So so for me, it's been interesting now, like knowing about crypto for a few years now, dabbling in it and seeing the growth and even having friends in that space. I realized that the biggest thing is what you just said. It's giving people more personal agency over their money. And I think this is where I want to ask you and, you know, we'd love for you to um, share your thoughts with me as well on this, but I'm thinking that, you know, financial literacy is actually one of the, probably the, one of the weak points of us as a nation in the U.S. in terms of really educating people around financial literacy. And I'm sure, I, I think your POV would be like, there's a reason for that, right? There's a few systematic issues that allow that and a lot of systematic oppression that enables that. But, you know, now with you, you're, you're a passionate educator. You're, you're always educating people about crypto. So, like, do you see, do you hopefully see people kind of coming around to taking control of their relationship with money, um, given now that there's a technology and really a decentralized um, currency that that allows you to have control of your money, right? It doesn't, it doesn't give it in the hands of any middleman. It, it doesn't 
lot. You don't need someone else's permission to, how do I say this, reallocate it, renew it, um, leverage it. How do, like, how do people now function in that kind of society? That's been a, a question that's been kind of plaguing my, my imagination recently. Mm. Mm. Wow. Wow. Hmm. 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 Yeah. 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 Hmm. Dang, that's so powerful. That's so powerful. And you know, I, I, I. I love this and I, I love I love how, how well put you put things because for me, because I you know, I still know people in the hood, I still know people who don't still have yet to kind of come to terms with their personal relationship with, with money. Uh, a lot of people just have bad habits with money. I mean, let's just be right honest. They just it's you know, I think one of the most powerful statements I've ever heard was the fact that everyone's relationship with money is personal. It's not even like an 
economical. It's just fundamentally personal. People put value into things that rewards them or they feel good about or gives them a, a fundamental emotional resonance. And there's, and, and I think that it, it takes a level even in crypto of digital literacy, financial literacy, but also economic literacy too, because you got to understand how markets move. And, you know, there's very few people who, who want to dive deep into, into that, uh, into that education path. But what I love about what you're saying though, is that there is an opportunity, right? And, and I think, you know, what, what excites me, especially in being in tech, is the fact that it takes leaders who are who are great at educating, <laughs> like like you and I. You know, like, it, you have to really be able to put it in layman's terms, one. But also, I think now, with what I'm seeing at a high level, um, and not just on Twitter, like, literally just thinking about the global standpoint of, of how we live, you know, there's a lot of leaders in tech, and I think traditional leaders in tech, who try to make it seem as if, politics, economics, and business aren't intertwined. When I mean, you and I know they're fundamentally intertwined. And in fact, if we're going to have a sustaining tech ecosystem, we're going to actually need a sustaining social welfare system for people in terms of helping them understand how to use money. And, and, and more, more fundamentally in crypto, the fact that it's portable money, right? portable money, not only in your own nation state, but in other nations, right? So it actually lends to our benefit economically, um, socioeconomically, but also fundamentally as a, I mean, the world is becoming digital first in, in, in majority areas, right? There's still um, developing countries. I understand that. But holistically, like, I think I, I kind of always get um, surprised when a lot of people are like, oh, you know, we should try to over-regulate crypto. Like, I think regulation is fine if it's reasonable, if it's empowering people to be more mindful of how they use their money and where it's going or who has oversight on it because you can't control crypto. But I think there's a there's a lot of skeptics who haven't really even been educated and steeped in what crypto means and the underlying technology of it and they're skeptical, but they're all they're skeptical but they're also at the same time and, and you probably met some of these people, they're also taking advantage of all of the benefits of actually being educated and how and how the works, right? But they're really skeptical because they don't want other people to be educated and they don't want the empowerment to happen. And that often scares me when I meet people like that. You know what, Dr. Evans, let me, let, let's, let's go ahead and sip the tea a little bit. Let's dive deep. I, I think that for, for me, I've been, I've been talking about the future of work for years now, um, literally evangelizing this future and contextualizing what it'll look like, um, the, the shifts that are happening. And, you know, the I, I think there's, Mr. Future Work is like, it's kind of my personal brand name. But for me, you know, it's just more so passionate about the empowerment. I think we share the, the same passion in the sense of like, 
there's economic empowerment in owning your own career, owning, like having your own personal relationship that's healthy with money. Um, and also fundamentally being able to pivot your career because you have control of your money and you also have control of what you want to do. You're not, you don't have to like, you don't have to follow the traditional norms and models, even though we are highly educated of going to school at this regular, reputable place or working with reputable um, firms or companies in order to be validated in your skills or your insight or even just construct the life that you live. So for me, I think the shift that we're seeing in the future of work, similar to the shift that we both see in um, in, in, in the financial markets due to crypto, they are completely intertwined. And I think for me, I actually seeing it's 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 very business related, right? In of I actually see, you know, right now we see the 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 consumer aspects of the of crypto, right? And in the future workspace, I'm I'm like I'm building a company and guy that's very B two B oriented and um. You know, it's bite-sized video training for remote teams, but I actually see um, kind of this overlay at a high level happening very, very soon in which the the same, the, the decentralization of currency is actually going to come into the workplace in some of the, the uh, financial systems that I'm seeing just scouting as an investor being built right now to help companies better manage payroll, right? Using, you know, there's one company in the Valley that literally raised too much money. <laughs> And the, yeah, yeah, they make way too much money for where they're at. Over a hundred million from a C to a Series A. They're called, um, I think it's Deal or Deep or something like that. Deal, and they're essentially a payroll system for remote teams. That's their niche. Now, imagine though, imagine the the, the fundamental technology they could be potentially using to to build that is blockchain. But also imagine now in the next two to three years, the future where atop of the blockchain that they're using to build this platform potentially, right? They could actually completely use their system as a reward mechanism in HR offices or within organizations and actually reward and these these people, these HR teams can actually reward their people not only through one form of currency, whether it be US based currency, but also cryptocurrency, right? That can be portable, that can be transferred and you know that can be exchanged all within one potential system. Um, and, 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 and it, like literally, and, and they can, they could actually be a broker of that type of future. So I'm seeing this future where, you know, a lot of the overlay between the future of work and the fundamentals of just how remote work is going to be the norm. It was already the norm already before um, COVID-19, but it's going to even be become, I think it's going to be the ex- established default. Um, that is going to change the way people want to have not only manage their money, but the way they require organizations to treat them in the workplace. And I think it's going to require organizations to start embracing this future. Like, I I think that you you can't be a traditional organization anymore. You you don't want to be a Sears. You you really want to, you know what I'm saying? You you want to find ways to really, how are you building for a a decentralized world, right? Because the two themes that I'm seeing across future of the future of work in crypto right now is this notion of decentralization of authority, decentralization of control, um, decentralization of fundamentally, um, um, how do I say this, purpose, actually. And and that is powerful. Those are two powerful things that, that, are, that are pretty deadly together, but deadly in a positive way.
You know, Guide is a bite-sized video training platform for remote teams that we have been in build and in operation for a year and six months now, actually. And, you know, pre-COVID-19, Guide was actually a life skills training app for high school students. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> COVID-19 actually forced us to pivot the business. And, you know, the inspiration and the movement that is around Guide really started in, you know, in the December of 2019. Uh, when I first met my my co-founder, Javon, and, you know, we just fundamentally were passionate uh, about education. And I was already doing a lot of the work that I do even now already uh, around building community and, and educating people around the future of work. And, you know, we just realized, you know, he brought this technological, um, you know, distributed systems, engineering background to the table. And I was also working with Microsoft at the time, doing all the work doing so i you know I, i've been in tech for for quite some now time some time now uh, as a designer as well as a uh, as just an evangelist of technology and we were like you know let's join forces let's build our relationship um let's invest both in our relationship and with each other and let's let's build something let's build an actual movement around a, a product that we can really uh grow with and have a venture around right at the time when i met Taban, he was actually building this really rough prototype that looked like linkedin but it wasn't something that we could actually go to market with. It wasn't something that was um, um, that you can actually sell <laughs> fundamentally. So for us, the the last the last year and a half has been about like building a, a company, building a venture that stands for it's not just a product, but fundamentally a cultural movement around how we believe work should be because we're a remote first team, but also the fact that quality education um, needs to exist. You know, the world doesn't need another. LinkedIn, the world doesn't need another TikTok, the world doesn't need another Twitter. Those platforms are just fine, but the world does need uh, another quality education platform that's neutral, but offers bite-sized quality content for the masses and allows organizations to be able to train and upskill their workforce. So fundamentally for us, you know, it's all about building something that the world actually needs. deserving
Could go on forever. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! So that was actually a, a that was emotion throughout the pandemic. <laughs> that was emotion throughout the pandemic, Tanya. And, it's it's fascinating because it, the the core motivation for it because was because of where the world is right now, right? Well, not right now. I think the world is going towards a more positive place, thankfully. But really, a few months ago, when we were all in the thick of COVID, and you know, the idea actually happened before COVID. When I was actually sitting with a, with a few teammates of mine now, but friends fundamentally, and we were just talking about, hey, look, like, you know. It, they, they they actually bring this experience to the table. Their names are Lindsay and Cameron, amazing teammates of mine um, and guide. And also with it, they, they, it's actually a part of my own personal venture arm that Big Black Tea happened. But we also wanted to make sure it was something that empowered the, the, the guide community. But fundamentally, they literally pitched me on this idea of, you know, a lot of creators are now creating their own brands, um, brands. Um, one example is the lady that's the lead actor on, um, Gro- Gro- Gronish, I think it's, it's called. Uh, what's it? I don't, I don't remember her name, but she has her own hair care line. Um, yeah, and so they were like, yeah, like it's a really big thing that a lot of celebrities and creators are not doing to take control of their brand, take control of their platforms, or leverage their platforms to, to really do, to build something that they believe in, right? Versus, you know, them partnering with, Tracy Ellis Ross is her name, actually. But instead of partnering with a tea brand like Big and Low, why did I just create your own? So literally, my my friend sold the seed in my head. I was like, huh, well, if I was to create a brand around something, what would it be? I was like, tea, I love tea. Like, you know, I think therapeutic, um, one of the most healing things. And there's a, I'm really big on tea culture. So I was like, Let's make this happen. And this was pre-pandemic, keep keep in mind, right? So, you know, we just kept at it. We kept on sharing ideas. I was like, hell yeah, let's make it happen. I decided that night when we were um, hanging in their living room, I was like, we got to make this happen because I think that I would love to be y'all's test dummy and create maybe kind of a, a movement around this. But also, I would, I would fundamentally, I told them I would fundamentally love to 
I think for me, Big Black Tea is a billion dollar product line due to the fact that tea is something that that crosses cultures, right? And it's so it's um it's a soothing tool. And given the state of the world where we were at, kind of still at right now with COVID nineteen, like it's something that people need, right? Like it's something that potentially people can use to be better, to create peace and foster more happiness. So literally throughout the entire pandemic, we were going back and forth. I was working with them on brand marketing. You know, they, they took care of the supply chain um, aspects of it, the sourcing of the, of the, of the actual tea from China, which is China is like heaven. They, they have everything in China. I need, I need to visit China very soon, actually. And I was like, let's make this happen. And we made it happen. And for me, I, I think the, the fundamental why is that it's good for our community. Um, good for people right now who need to heal and who have been stressed the hell out for the last seven years. And I think the the funny thing, uh, uh, Tanya, is that a lot of people are like, big black tea, like, wow, like, man, that, I love that. But here, <laughs> like, a lot of, and like, it had nothing to do with the Black Lives Matter movement. It had nothing to, like, I, I just wear a lot of black, one, but it was really more so to keep it simple. <laughs> like, literally, because it, it, it fits the theme of, of my brand, but it was like, no, it's big black tea. But a lot of people are forming their own meaning within their own interpretation and they're embodying it. And I think that's been powerful for me to see and for us to see because that's what we want. We want people having their own experience with tea and fundamentally with uh, with the brand in itself. So, no, we've been grateful about it, Tanya. We really have. I love that. We got to make that a thing. You know, Tanya, I'm Nija. I'm really Nija. Um, and in, I grew up in America for the last 20, 25 years now. Um, um, so uh, I'm, it's, I've lived in Nija up to a lot of years, right? And for me, I, I kind of, I still have a lot of the collectivist values because I grew up in my home. And but at the same time, I'm still quite independent in how I think. Uh, my economics and also how I think about um, capitalism fundamentally. So a lot of that allows me to, I, I kind of see, I see the world from a, a few viewpoints because I've also seen poverty. Like when my parents here, we didn't have much, but we, they were able to make it out um, of the gutter, literally <laughs> and, you know, taking care of us, um, put us through school and, you know, literally were able to build their own wealth, right? I've seen it from the ground up, what that looks like. For people who emigrated to the right, so for me, I often think about problems not only from the uh, the lens of privilege, but also from fundamentally what privilege does not look like, and that's not necessarily poverty, but it's not necessarily privilege either, right? It's literally being in that middle, and I think there's a nuance to that that we often miss 
and, and just like the conversation around economics and the middle class, as well as even to a degree, race relations, right? I know some, some black elite people who are racist as hell. <laughs> I don't that I don't associate myself with, that I don't talk to. But I also know that there are white privileged people who are racist as hell too that aren't they don't check their, their privilege, right? But I also know even in within that spectrum, there's white males who recognize their privilege and they do it to do good, right? And there's black elites who recognize their privilege and they do it to do good, right? So so for me, I'm often when I I read the discourse and I think about my decision as a leader and building a company. And with the things I even put out there, I often kind of have to come at it from that nuance of like, I've seen a lot of different sides of life um, as an American. But fundamentally, you know, one of the biggest things that I think is home true for me is that you have to respect everyone's humanity, no matter who you are. And I think that's that's also comes from the collective collectivist values that I grew up with um, being a Nigerian American. My Tech Intersect people, if you are tuning in right now, live or <laughs> on right? Um, you know, appreciate you. Thank you so much. Follow me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Me and Tanya, we've been going deep on Twitter. <laughs> like, we're on Twitter hard. I love Twitter. It's, been, it's actually been my most active platform, but I'm still active on, on LinkedIn as well. And I'm kind of active on IG. And please check out guideapp.co. That's our movement. Um, guideapp.co sign up for early access be one of our beta testers we're gradually expanding and growing and we're getting better every day and also if you want some tea if you really want the tea like tanya and i went in on the tea check out bigblackteacom we're so grateful we're literally we're selling out every single day and you know it's it's been it's really been a testament to the fact that we're building a great movement but also people need tea i at the end of the day fundamentals people need tea and they need to heal and Big Black Tea is bringing that to the table. So please check out BigBlackTea.com and, and sip in peace. Yeah! <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, my God. That is so good. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs>